Luke 19:17. And he said to him, "Well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. Today is community day. The day when we at Fountainhead are focused on those outside of our congregation. The community we live in, the community that we play in, the community that we go to school in, that some here in this audience even work in. Our community. Since Community Day's inception two years ago, the elders have wanted the congregation to be more outward focused, to be more evangelistic in our efforts. Their key to unlock this glorious resource that is among us here at Fountainhead, the key that they are using to unlock that is patience. Patience is the key. Last year was a big success. We all pulled together and hundreds of Bibles were distributed personally by you to friends and family members. Now, the elders want us to begin to personally reach out to those who don't know the truth. The theme this year is looking for the truth. Their patience and love for you has contrived a little thing. A little thing that you can do. Each and every one of us in this congregation can do this little thing. Young and old, male and female, a little thing that you can do that will pay off in a big way to help further the kingdom of God. A little thing that we as a congregation can do that will grow the borders of the kingdom, the church. It is hoped that a light that has long been left in the off position will be flipped on. And I grew up and my daddy was an electrician growing up. But it doesn't, your daddy doesn't have to be an electrician to understand that when the light switches off, it's off. When you flip it on, it's on. But you know what? I learned from my daddy that if you play with the light switch and you leave it in that middle position, just to kind of make the lights dim a little bit, you can burn the house down. You can short it out. That little light in the, left in the position, that light switch left in that middle position, things can fall apart. You need to be on or you need to be off. And the elders here at Fountainhead hope that this is a little thing, like a light switch that will turn you on if you've been left in the dark for so long. That a fire and a zeal to serve God and grow the borders of the kingdom will be, will be turned on, that will be lit underneath you. And they've picked something, they'll pick something that will pay off in ways you may not see. Because it's a little thing, insignificant to the wise, to the learned it may not even be profitable. A little thing that they've chosen to get the Christians at Fountainhead into a unified evangelistic direction. Why? Why do our elders want us to move 
in an evangelistic direction. There's numerous reasons. A major reason is because to a man, each elder has expressed numerous times in many different ways how much they love this congregation and how they do not want it to deteriorate and die. They want this congregation to live and grow and prosper. According to the late Clayton Pepper and research done by him at the Center for Church Growth, a deteriorating church is imprisoned by previous patterns of activity, doing the same old, same old, year after year. A deteriorating church, a dying church, downgrades the the gospel. It downgrades the proclamation of the gospel to the lost. There's a preacher in the pulpit, yes. There is the yearly gospel meeting, yes. But any other method of outreach is deemed unfamiliar and is rejected. But not with our congregation, not with our elders. With patience, our leaders want the gospel proclaimed to Portland, Sumner County, Tennessee, our world. A deteriorating church, a dying church is satisfied with being mediocre. Many congregations are satisfied with just regular attendance, moral living, meeting the budget. But our elders will not let us die like that. A dying church uses excuses like, not everybody can do that. Well, that might be true of some, but not the majority. And the elders here at Fountainhead have employed a tactic this year, a little tactic, to involve everyone who can write. If you can write your name, you can do this little thing. A church in danger of dying is filled with impossibility thinkers. Well, we tried that once, but it didn't work. We've done that before. Nothing came of it. It may work somewhere. It won't work here. It costs too much. We can't do that. It costs too much. Our elders will not allow us to become like the spies of Numbers 13 who saw that there are giants in the promised land. We can't defeat them. No, we have a let's do this attitude here at Fountainhead. A dying church has a come to church strategy. This is a man-made philosophy. It's a man-made philosophy for the lost to come to the church building. That's all we're going to do. We've got the building here. Just come. No. Our elders want us to fulfill the command and example of Jesus to seek the lost. As we've sang today. The elders here at Fountainhead have expressed that they want our congregation to be faithful even in the little things. Even in the little things. Because the little things prepare you for the big things. The little things prepare you for the everythings. And we need to be faithful in all things, don't we? Amen?
Everyone here can be used to help. What you're about to do is reach out. What you're about to do is reach out to your community, but also to learn something about first steps. Do you remember your first step as a child? Do you remember it? I mean, probably not. I don't remember my first step. Think back. I can't, no, can't remember our first step. You may remember your child's first step. You may, remember, you may remember the day and the hour of your child's first step. Do you remember your first step? Probably not. Do you remember your first step down the aisle? Do you remember your first step toward baptism? You know, Christopher was telling his story. You know, part of his story was at, at one point he had to walk somewhere and make it known that he wanted to obey the gospel. Do you remember your first step? You might not. I do. I, I remember I was nervous, but I was happy. You know, and you may have helped the Lord's church out in the past, but have since become content to sit very still. But you can take a first step, a little step, a first step, a first little step toward a lifelong journey to gain a crown, a crown of life. Because if you're faithful unto death, Jesus will give you a crown of life. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Ten cards. Ten cards. Ten names. It's that simple. Ten cards. Ten names. A little thing. Write the names and addresses on the cards. Go to the post office. Buy the stamps. Or if you have them at home, place the stamps on the postcard. If you cannot drive, ask your parents. The elders want the young people to know that they're involved in this too. Again, if you can write your name, you can do this little thing. Ask your parents to get the stamps for you and mail them. You'll find the names in the cards. They weren't here when you came in, but they are now. As you exit the building in the back, they are here now. You'll find the names and the cards in the foyer as you leave and go to eat. There are ten cards in an in, there are ten cards in a packet, rubber band together with an envelope that has ten names. And you may know the names. They are people in the Portland area, or you may not know them. Care has been taken to eliminate the businesses from those names. But if you find a business or another problem. You find that you don't end up with ten names, but you've got ten cards. Mail the card to a friend or a family member of your choice. That's it. That's it. That's the little thing. We'll do this two more times this year. Now, what this particular card promotes is our family day coming up in April, on April the 17th. Now, imagine... Just for a moment, imagine just for a moment what happens to your set of cards. You get your cards and you take them home and you, you do as the elders have wanted you to do. You, you address them, you put the stamp on them, and you mail them. Imagine what, where, where your cards go and what happens to your cards. What kind of people will they go to? Imagine one of the cards, imagine one of the cards being hardly looked at 
We do this, don't we? Y'all do this, don't we? I like junk mail. I don't know about you. I like junk mail. I'll look at junk mail. But a lot of people won't. They'll take that card, they'll glance at it briefly and throw it in the trash, won't they? Imagine your card was, was thrown into the trash. It'll happen. How does that make you feel? How do you feel about that? This is how we should feel. Whether I, I preach a sermon and tell one what they need to do to be saved, and, and you know that I know that you know what you need to do to be saved, and yet you walk out the door anyway, rejecting the gospel. This is how I should feel. This is how you should feel when you imagine that someone takes your card and throws it into the trash. Or when you're, you're studying with a friend or a family member or someone that you know and they, they have no time for what you have to say. This is how we should feel, even if someone refuses what we have. In Luke chapter 17, we find an attitude. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. This is the exact request we need to ask if we find ourselves unable to work for the Lord. Increase our faith. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So ask and receive. Seek for it. You'll find it. Knock. It'll be opened to you. Increase our faith, Lord. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Fountainhead, great things can come from little things. This little, small congregation could evangelize our whole area. If we had enough faith. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him once he has come from the field, come at once and, and sit down to eat? We are the servants. We are the servants. So much of the time, we think that it's all about us. You know, when I was growing up, my daddy had to tell me more than once, Chad, you know, there's not a camera Watching you the whole time. You can stop showing out now. It's not all about you. We're the servants. You think God is going to tell us to, to, to come in and sit down at the table and eat first? We're the servants. We're the ones in the field. We're the ones that are supposed to be doing the work. It's God we are to glorify. He's, it's not Him to glorify us. We're meant to glorify Him. But he will not. Rather, he will say to him, prepare something for my supper. You're the servant. You prepare something for my supper. You gird up yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. God is not finished yet. He's not finished eating yet. 
It's not our time to eat. It's our time to serve. We're servants of God. We wait on God. We serve God. And when He is done, afterward, after He is done, you will eat and drink. Does He thank that servant because He did the things that were commanded Him? I think not, Jesus said. I think not. If you're looking for an attaboy in this life, Jesus said, I think not. If our person throws our postcard in the trash, or if somebody walks out of here once again with sin all over them, what should be our attitude? It's in this next verse. If all ten of your postcards came to worship, if all ten of them, if all ten came here because of your invitation, if someone here today would put Christ on in baptism, even then what should be our attitude right here? If they throw it in the trash or they obey the gospel, our attitude should be this. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have only done what was our duty. Now, let's imagine your postcard does attract someone to our fellowship. What do you do? Well, you follow through. You follow through. How? Well, you make sure you're warm and friendly. You know, according to the Center for Church Growth by Brother Clayton Pepper, he said it's not the preacher or the singing or the building or the programs that keeps folks coming back. It's you. It's your warmth and it's your friendliness that keeps folks coming back. What would you say if I made something beautiful and then just destroyed it? What would you say if I did that? Well, you'd say I was crazy. Well, you'd call me crazy if I, if, if I mailed out these cards and I don't even know who they're going to. And yet, when that person, if they ever did come through the door... I was unfriendly and never welcomed them into the door. You'd call me crazy, wouldn't you? Because basically what you've done, if you mail this card and don't follow through, you've just basically destroyed something beautiful. If you remain a wallflower, then you've effectively destroyed something beautiful. If your postcard walks through the door, we can't be a wallflower. And it begs the question, have the means become the ends? Have the means become the ends? What do I mean? Well, what I'm saying is if we have had, we have had through the church over history, over time, different ways and means to attract those outside of our fellowship, Bible study, Benevolence. You know, Bible study started as a way to help those who don't know the plan of salvation to know it. 
benevolence, of course, is commanded. Yes, it is commanded, but it is, it is a wonderful tool, effective tool for, for evangelism. Our building is, is attractive and it's warm and cool. When it needs to be, it's built so that we could have a, a safe, uninterrupted period to worship, a place for the church to meet as we've been commanded to meet on the first day of the week, every week. And for those outside our fellowship to be invited to. Programs. We've got lots of programs. They're meant, when we first started them, they were meant to reach out. They were meant to, to, to reach out to our youth, to reach out to our community, to, to reach out to our own. The preaching at the beginning, if you look at the beginning of, of the first century church, the preaching in the beginning was to tell the truth. To proclaim the truth that everyone needs and everyone wants. These were means to be more and more evangelistic. To be more and more outreaching. But our means have become our end. We just want to keep them afloat. We just want to keep these institutions alive. This must not be. We must, each and everything that we do, be evangelistic. Each and everything we do is to follow the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to seek the lost. That must be our focus, Christians. That must be our focus. We must do our job and let God worry about the results. But we do our job. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached a sermon. He said in verse 40, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then skip down to verse 47, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Notice, it's the Lord who adds you to the church. He'll add you today if you want to be. He'll add you today. Everyone we know or don't know needs to know this truth. Looking for the truth. So many, as our elders understand, are looking for the truth. And what they're trying to do, our elders, what we're trying to do is get us more outward focused. What does it take? What does it take to get us more outward focused? Well, if you think these postcards are lame, if you think these postcards are ineffective, you may be right. You may be right. You may have better ideas. But is that the right attitude in this little thing? This is a good work. And we are commanded in Titus chapter 2 verse 14 to be zealous for good works. It takes zeal to do the little things and the big things. 
But our zeal, Romans chapter 10, verse 2, must be according to knowledge. We must be zealous about the truth. We want folks to, to look for the truth. We, 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 we have the truth. We want people to find it. Let's be zealous about it. To get outward focused, it takes zeal and it takes humble obedience. The humble obedience of a servant. Do not think too highly of yourselves. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, but be a doer of the work. James chapter 1 and verse 25. Be zealous like a slave, humbly obedient. And the third thing it takes to be outward focused is love. Love God and your fellow man so much that you just, well, you just can't help but reach out. You just can't help but reach out. But like the church in Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2, many have left their first love. And the advice of Jesus to this church and the advice that Jesus has these thousands of years later to you in this audience, to the church in this audience, if you've left your first love, what do you do? Well, if you read there His advice to the Ephesians, it's remember, remember your first love and repent. Remember and repent. Brother Clayton Pepper wrote, There are churches today that are straight as a gun barrel, doctrinally, but just as empty spiritually. Many here can defend the gospel, but can we advance the gospel? I know you know the truth. I know you know it. I know you can defend it. But can you advance it? That's what our elders want us to do. They want us to advance the gospel here. It's going to take zeal. It's going to take humility. It's going to take obedience. It's going to take love. And we won't get any attaboys. We won't get any attaboys, but we will please God. We will help others. And we will be involved in God's mighty salvation process. Then we can truly say and sing our theme for the year, Our faith looks up to thee. Our faith is small many times. And Jesus knows. Jesus knows this. He, he knew this about His own apostles. Oftentimes we read in the, in the Gospels where He said, Oh, you of little faith. Now, if you pick up a packet out here, if you pick up a packet, our elders wanted you to understand this. If you pick up a packet and take it home and leave it on the table or leave it in the car, and don't mail them. That says a lot about your faith. Your little faith. And how little of it you really have. In the parable that we read at the beginning, The servant was faithful over little things. He was given ten cities. Fountainhead, if we can be faithful in the little things, we can be given the whole city of Portland. God can be given the whole county of Sumner, the whole state of Tennessee, the world. Can be brought to Jesus Christ. We're faithful, even in the little things. They are practice, the little things are, for the big things. In life. Read your Bible. Do your job. Get the crown. 
Baptism is a little thing. And I hope you'll come back tonight and understand a little deeper about baptism. But it's a little thing that gets you into the main thing, Jesus Christ. In the grand scheme, repentance is a little thing. But it has eternal consequences. And so, repent and be baptized if it is your desire to do so today. Remain faithful, even in the little things. All it takes is a little step. All it takes is a little step. Put Christ on in baptism. Repent of your sins right now as together we stand and sing.